0: Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about Venus's ingress into the first decan of Aquarius. Uh, This is going to be happening from February the 1st at 9.06 a.m. all the way till February the 9th at 8.39 a.m. We're, of course, talking about the section of the zodiac between 0 and 10 degrees of Aquarius. We will be talking about Venus making a conjunction with the fixed star Altair uh, on February the 3rd. Um, We're also going to be seeing Venus making a conjunction with Saturn on the 6th of February. And then uh, on the same day, later the same day, Venus will be making a square to Uranus in Taurus. So let's take a look at our chart and break this down. We, of course, will do a I Ching reading at the end to give you some things to be able to, to, uh, I don't know, some advice to be able to handle this transit gracefully. So here we're seeing Venus uh, moving into the fixed air sign of Aquarius. This is a sign that is hosted or stewarded by Saturn. And Saturn right now is is in Aquarius. So Venus will be in the same temple or the same domicile as her host right now. So she's able to draw upon the resources that she needs to do what, what Saturn wants her to do on some level. Um. Venus will be moving through the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees of Aquarius, and then we'll be hanging out in her own terms from seven to 13 degrees Aquarius. Term rulers were sort of a curriculum setter, uh, setting the rules of engagement for a planet where the domicile Lord was providing resources. So we will have a, an empowered Venus uh, over the, the last few days of this decanic transit. The tarot card associated with this area of the Zodiac is the Five of Swords. We can see it here, a figure that is uh, collecting swords after a battle. Um, there is a defeated uh, pair going off into the distance, into exile, and sort of a smug winner. So this may be the, the aftermath of some kind of conflict. Uh, potentially, it could talk about a defeat in some area of our life. It was actually called Defeat by the Book of Toth and Book T. Austin Coppock calls this deccan the mark of exile. And in it, uh, there is discussions about going into the frontiers or the fringes of society, sometimes intentionally. So perhaps an intentional exile, leaving the known behind, leaving uh, what is acceptable by by, um, collective society behind in search of some kind of truth in search of some kind of potentially authenticity. Uh, So that's something to consider. A lot of the times I talk with my Aquarian clients that have prominent Aquarian placements about releasing the need for approval and um, being able to to do what is right in your heart without uh, the applause of an audience um, and without feeling like that you need to have attention for what you're doing. And a lot of the times we think about uh, having a long-range vision, having the gift of objectivity. Sometimes the results uh, when we are dealing with a Saturnian placement um, don't come until much later on in the process. So it's, it's about delayed gratification. I think that's another way to think about Aquarius placements is we may not get the, the visible results right away, but we have to have faith in our idealism that what we are doing will have meaning. And that is a rebalancing of uh, the uh, twists and turns of fate. This is one of my favorite ways of thinking about Saturn now is, is through that concept of nemesis, where we are trying to, to bring stability and rebalance uh, the distribution, the random distributions of 2k or, or a fortune. So Venus is going to be taking her turn uh, kind of playing, playing that, that, um that rebalancing role and bringing things together that have been separated and bringing harmony to uh, the Saturnian area of our life. So what you can do with this uh, forecast is you can look at the Aquarius house in your chart and see where there may be a reconciliation that needs to happen uh, where there may be something where you' felt deprived of something where you've felt like you've had to go into exile and there may be some glamor that's being brought to it through, through Venus. There may be a catharsis that is, that is happening. Uh, Venus was the planet that was responsible for the purity of the emotions that were expressed in the, the Greek theater in, in ancient times. So it was kind of like, are you expressing emotion uh, that is allowing us to become clean? There's a lot of themes of cleanliness with Venus. So if we're thinking about our verb and our noun, we are harmonizing or reunifying Venus or cleansing uh, things that have been exiled, Saturn, or things that have been abandoned. We're glamorizing that which has been discarded. Okay, So we could be seeing people making art from things that people have thrown out. Uh, we could be recycling things in our life and seeing beauty in things that most people might consider ugly or that people might consider um, undesirable. So this is like attraction to the, to the misfits of, in life. I, I described this in my uh, Instagram post about this, that Venus is visiting the land of misfit toys and, and seeing beauty in, in things that others have discarded. So we could be having some attraction to unorthodox aesthetics in this area of the zodiac, uh, repurposing junk into something beautiful, um, becoming very objective in, our, in the way that we love, in the way that we desire things. Uh, it could be, our love could be very idealistic. There could be some kind of intellectual distance that comes at when we are um, you know, attracting in an Aquarian way. This is could be something where we're uh, maintaining a long distance relationship, where the physical part of the relationship isn't the most important thing. It might be the idealistic intellectual connection, rather than the you know, you know the physical affection or um, doing things together like a fire sign might want to do, uh, or the the emotional closeness that you might feel if Venus was in a water sign. So you know, this could be a great time to get on on Zoom or, or have, have a nice conversation about your belief system with somebody and, and create unity in that way. And maybe you talk about far off topics and, and things that are um, outside the norm. Uh, that, so it's about be, becoming innovative in the way that you find connections. So Venus will be co-present with a number of planets during this decanic transit. We see a real big stack up in Aquarius over this period of time. It's going to be co-present with its host Saturn. Uh, Jupiter is also hanging out here, the sun and Mercury retrograde. So Mercury retrograde is going through its psychopomp journey right now. It is going into the underworld, searching for, I guess, hidden treasure, leading souls into the underworld and, and recalling witnesses to the stand to try to get additional testimony before a judgment can be made. So we may be reviewing some things in the past. Um, we may be remembering those things fondly with Venus here as well. There may be some some good memories we have about things that that no longer are with us. Um, so what else do we have here? The daimon associated with the first decan of Aquarius is Dyke. This is the goddess of justice. Uh, fair judgments, and rights established by custom and law. That's one thing that I want to point out, by custom and law. So this is, um, Daiki was one of the three horai, or the goddesses of the seasons, the keepers of the gates of heaven. And this one was about these agreements that we have with one another as a society. So we may be trying to bring harmony to some of the social agreements that we have that create the fabric of society that are based on idealism, that are based on hovering over like like from an airplane or from a a hot air balloon and seeing how all the pieces are connected, seeing how everything is interconnected and related to one another. And we may be trying to create unification for some of the, the parts that have been pushed out to the to the edges to the periphery and bring them back to center have a conversation uh, with those folks that have been put cast into exile so daiki is is kind of the spirit of this where we're really really asking ourselves is what we are trying to establish fair is it something that is sustainable over the long term especially with this venus being in a saturn ruled sign um, is this going to restore right proportion like Nemesis would, like, like Nemesis as related to Kronos or Saturn? Um, I, I love that. Uh, that is something that I guess that I would has really helped change my understanding of Saturn and helped me embrace Saturn, restoring right proportion. Remember, Saturn is exalted in the sign of Libra, the, 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 the temple of balance, the temple of Venus. So being able to, to create harmony. Is one of I think one of Saturn's greatest um, greatest tasks, and it may be through difficulty, it may be through um, potential punishment, through uh, through difficulty, through maybe through isolation, through rejecting something. Okay, a lot of the times we get presented with a lot of opportunities in life and we can't always take all of them and we have to choose which ones we're going to put our attention to and we have to reject the other ones that aren't going to be in alignment with our path at that moment. And that's really what Saturn can be good for as well is rejecting the things that aren't going to serve uh, the greater good or our higher purpose at that moment. And in that regard, Saturn can be thought of as, as quite the sage. Um, because somebody who has acquired wisdom over time is not um, is not prey to every whim or desire that comes up for them. So this might be another way of thinking about Venus in a Saturn ruled sign is we have to make choices. We have to choose what we are and what we are not, what we will allow to be attracted into our experience and, and what just isn't going to be part of our story and part of our narrative. And we may be defining what we like by what we reject. So there, there is also uh, I, I'm thinking of like, like punk rock or something with, with Venus in Aquarius or some kind of really odd avant-garde type of music or art, uh, where where the almost the core essence of it is rejecting the the, the normality of you know established beauty standards. And there could be a lot of like, you know, ooh, I like this, but I like it because it doesn't conform. So that's something to, to meditate on with this, this transit as well. Um, let's see. We are talking about Venus, which is a planet that is in the nocturnal sect, uh, which is related to the moon and fortune. So we could be creating or receiving, creating, creating is one way of thinking about, but I think receiving is a better way. We could be receiving good fortune um, by meeting our responsibilities and our burdens or our hardships, like Saturn, okay. By by taking on the mantle of you know, putting our worlds back into harmony and restoring balance, but again, potentially through weeding through the things that aren't serving us anymore or have become excessive through contraction, okay, through social contraction on some level. This is why we find a lot of Aquarian uh, placements, you know, living a fairly hermetic life is they've contracted their social sphere um, so that they can serve a particular purpose, Um, not so that they're distracted by, you know, all these different things. I think there's a lot of, I, I know a lot of Aquarian people who have taken on um, intentional exile. All right. But we may be receiving benefits through doing that. I think that's the thing with Venus. Venus wants to bring us good fortune. So we may have benefits through taking on those difficulties. All right. So let's break down some of the transits that we're experiencing here. Um, on February 2nd and February 3rd, and I know that you might be listening to this on February 3rd. I apologize for being a little bit late with this one. Just been doing, uh, you know, kind of going a little mer- Mercury retrograde this this week and reflecting on some things and uh, you know going internal like the hermit a little bit and it's uh you know trying to keep up with the planets and especially with a planet moving into a decan every few days is it's a lot and uh, I'm not always able to to answer the call every two days and feel like I'm able to do. Uh, a good job of it. So I took a day off or two. But uh, when you're listening to this, Venus should be conjoining the fixed star Altair. And that is in the constellation Aquila. And let's go over to our star chart and take a look at that. Now, you may have heard me talk about Aquila uh, when I did my sun in the first decan of Aquarius video. And here we see the sun that has since moved on into the second decan. And here's Venus. Okay, we've got this stack up here. Look at this. Venus... Okay, Jupiter, we've got Mercury hanging out here somewhere. Okay, all, a whole mess of planets. And here is Aquila, Aquila and Altair right here. This is the eagle uh, of Zeus. So this is either an emissary of Zeus or Zeus himself transformed into an eagle. And here we have the poor youth uh, Ganymede, who was the the cupbearer to Zeus and and a- 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 Aquila came down from the sky either as Zeus or as a, uh, an agent of Zeus and kidnapped Ganymede and brought him to Olympus to be um, kind of a, a servant or a cupbearer to, to the gods. So this could be uh, about being you know cast out, about being taken away from your community. This is one of the other things that we can see with with Aquarius and a- Aquila. Um, Aquila was also said to be the, um, the, the bearer of Zeus's thunderbolts, like the carry, carrier of his weapons. So there is an association with like military prowess and boldness, also flight with this with this fixed star and this uh, constellation. I know that, that when I was talking about the Sun, there was a number of um, like pe- like astronauts and experimental flight, uh pioneers that had this fixed star prominent in their chart people like uh buzz aldrin chuck yeager um people who are were going outside the norm of their society and outside the boundaries and the limits that had been set by their society and breaking through to new ground through their idealism through a vision that uh that they were going to do something new and and give a gift to humanity um there's also some things associated with stores, uh, storms and animal attacks with Altair. I know recently we've had a pretty, pretty nasty snowstorm that has uh, touched on parts of the Midwest and the East Coast. So that could be part of Altair's uh, you know, doing here. Um, with Venus, we could be glamorizing the military. We could be glamorizing flight. Uh, we could be taking artistic risks and becoming bold in the way that we choose to express our art uh, we could be challenging social expectations with this planet drawing upon the energy of Altair. Anytime a planet is is conjoining a fixed star by projected ecliptical degree or by parans, however you want to, to whatever system you want to use, uh, you, I think you can think about it as a the fixed star is more of a more of a eternal law, more of a um, oh I don't know. Something that's feeding the the roots. It is the it is the nourishment that the tree of the planet is sucking up and then like trying to to use as far as something that is expressed on the physical realm, right? So Venus is, has a mission. Venus likes to harmonize, Venus likes to create beauty, Venus is a purifier. So Venus is going to draw upon the energy of Altair that. That uh, boldness, that military prowess, that far-reaching idealism, uh, all of the, the topics we've been talking about to try to create harmony through um, those narratives and those stories. A lot of times when we see fixed stars, um, you really can see some literalness with it, like, like taking flight with, with an eagle. Um, so that's going to be Venus on Altair today and, and into tomorrow. Um, when we move to the 6th of February, let's go back to our chart here and look at one chart and move forward. When we look at the 6th of February here, Venus is going to be making a conjunction with Saturn. So this is the beginning of a new cycle between Saturn and Venus. Okay, so they are conjoining Right. We are also going to be seeing a square the same day between Venus and Uranus. So this is kind of happening fairly simultaneously. Okay. So let's see what we've got. Let's break it down. So we're really going to be having the themes of that Five of Swords card come into play here. Uh, where we, and then we have to think about how are we going to blend the energies of Venus. You know, unification, desire, uh, relationships, sociability, creating balance, creating harmony with some of the themes of Saturn, you know, exile, deprivation, uh, nemesis, restoring right proportion. Um, This could be where we're seeing new responsibilities, where we have to respond to potentially new hardships within a relationship, where we are taking on willingly responsibilities within a relationship where we're maybe glamorizing responsibility, okay? We, we could be cleaning up a dirty situation. Saturn was, was associated with darkness and with things that have fallen into decay or disrepair. So we may be willingly taking on the role of cleaning those things up and restoring balance to things. Um, we may be feeling isolated or, or having feelings of detachment within a relationship. It could be a beginning of a commitment, it could also represent an ending. Saturn was was representative of endings as well. And as we've heard in their, our song from Semisonic, closing time, uh, every new beginning comes with some other beginnings end. So because time is cyclical, we do have ending, endings and beginnings as uh, being part of a, a, a similar cycle. Uh, the last time that Venus and Saturn conjoined with one another was on December the 10th of 2019. Um, I know in my own personal life, uh, I was going through a transition with my daughter swimming during this period of time. She was in a swim club, and I, I very much wanted her to be on a more competitive swim club. Um, and as a family, we were trying to get involved in this new um, you know, kind of more, uh, more rigorous swimming club. And we had to wait because there was a waiting list and it was this big kind of epic drama. of Are we going to get in or are we not? And around this period of time, uh, we got off of the wait list and were able to join the swim club. And um, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of responsibility as a parent going to more meets, going to like more intense practices, more consistent practices. It was farther away from our home. So it was more driving. Uh, the the practices themselves were were very very intense, and my daughter had a lot of work that she had to do. Um, but the, like I said, there was a, a glamorization of this hard work. There was this glamorization of difficulty <laughs> with this. And just thinking back on it now, like it is a perfect representation of, of Venus and Saturn coming together. Um, and it was also represented the ending of of being a part of a, a swim club that she had been a part of for. For a few years so there was an ending associated with it as well and there was some mixed feelings with that because there was a lot of friends that we had in those in that area and um, yeah it was it was definitely a mixed bag it turned out to be uh, a good thing a good she she grew a lot in her skill set um, but it was a lot of work it was it was expensive and uh, it was a, a lot of responsibility so you got to think about, those types of things when you're seeing a Venus Saturn conjunction. And another little personal tidbit uh, when this was happening. I went back and I always like to go back and read my journals and see what my mindset was at these transits now, now it'll be a little bit different because this was happening in the sign of Capricorn before. So the themes will be slightly differently, slightly different, but we might have some kind of similarities with it with a Venus Saturn conjunction. Uh, my mom had gotten diagnosed recently, during this period of time with osteoporosis. So you can also see like a, a, a female figure, like my mother, uh, you know, really meeting um, father time and seeing uh, some kind of decay happening in her life with, with really having a, a hardship that she had been diagnosed with and having to come to terms with the reality of a situation. Um, this is, um, yeah, this is another sobering influence where it, you know, something maybe related to our our body, uh, related to our relationships, we may be coming to some sober realization that even though we may be moving forward with something, that we are coming to terms with time itself as well. Okay, because Saturn had another association as chronos with with time itself and with that process, that natural process that we all can't escape from. So look for things like that in your life on Saturday, February the sixth, as these two planets are coming together. You know, you know, relationships, time, something reaching its conclusion, uh, something that where you are taking on something new. Realize that it might be a lot of work. Realize that it might require you to stand outside of the norm. You may be breaking away from your community to do something that is important to you, but it might ultimately bring long-term rewards. And it might, you might not see it right away. And this was true with like the swim team too. We had to, when we started up, we were part of a, you know, this secondary side club that, you know, where we only practiced a few days a week. And eventually we, we got part of the the bigger club, but my daughter needed some, uh, she needed to learn the system because it was much, much more work than she had been used to. And the, the results were not immediate right it was a long-term commitment that that did eventually bear fruit so again with this conjunction don't look for immediate results and we're going to see this coming in our hexagram too because there is definitely some themes of being able to see the long-term vision with the hexagram that came up now in this uh, same day we will be seeing a square with uranus so we may feel Some feelings of restlessness. We may be wanting to break out of our our routines. We may be wanting to use our resources in a different way. Um, We may be feeling some restlessness in a relationship. Uh, We may be experiencing some kind of breakdown or some kind of breakthrough. Again, a breakdown can lead to a breakthrough. We have a paradox with those two things happening simultaneously simultaneously. This could be an artistic breakthrough. This could be something where you're, if you're working on something creative, that you're going outside of the norm and you're you're trying to bring something into existence, like Prometheus. You're trying to give the gift of fire to humanity through your art, but you may suffer for it. That was the kind of the the flip side of Prometheus, as he was trying to bring something good to humanity, but he ended up being punished for it because he went against the will of Zeus. And kind of stole fire from the gods. Now, eventually, that did benefit humanity, but but there was a price that had to be paid for it. So there might be something like that that comes up, where yes, we may be trying to do something innovative, but there may be a difficulty that we experience as well, like a, some sort of punishment, especially with Saturn in the mix as well, some kind of disruptive uh, quality as well. So that's the 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 uh, aspects that Venus is going to be making during this period of time. Um, So Venus will move into the second decan at 10 degrees of Aquarius on February the 9th, around 839 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time. And we'll examine uh, what's going to be happening around that period of time uh, when we get to it. But let's talk a little bit about a hexagram. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the I Ching, this is something I've been adding into my videos where I do a uh, divinatory reading for the period of time, to get confirmation on the essence of this time period. I find the I Ching to be a very direct and uh, unapologetic uh, divinatory oracle. And it really does give me a lot of clarity and comfort, I think, by understanding what is required of the time period. And uh, what the Tao is asking of us, and the Tao being nature, what is the quality of time? What is the quality of the energy that we're experiencing? And what direction is it heading? Is Are there any pitfalls? Are there any, um, do we have to check in for any signs of hubris or any signs of impatience or things like that? And often the I Ching will point those things out if we're tempted, and give us the solution. So this hexagram over here on the On the left of your screen we will talk about the the situation and it will see what what direction the energy is moving to through these changing lines so we got uh hexagram number 43 which is called resolution or deciding so this may be where you are feeling that you have to make a decision in some kind of area of your life where you say i'm going to dig my heels in in very fixed fashion Right, like Venus is hanging out in a fixed air sign, so we may have very fixed ideas about how something should be, and we say, "I'm going to be resolute. I'm going to leave this behind, or I'm going to commit to this." Um, and Hilary Barrett, uh, a, one of the one of my favorite translators of the I Ching, uh, asks these questions from 43. She says, "What do you stand for? How do you define yourself? What belongs in your realm?" And where do you need to make a clean break? Interesting that that language comes up with Uranus and making a breakthrough or a breakdown. So, we may have made a decision recently, or we are thinking about making a decision during this transit uh, that where we're saying, This is what I've finally decided, and here we go. But I will caution you um, because we are, yes, we want to break through indecision. And waffling and things like that. That's always uncomfortable. There's an, Whenever we are faced with ambiguity, we want the situation to be resolved. And it's very uncomfortable when the situation isn't resolved. And we can create a lot of problems for ourselves with that impatience because we are not able to live in ambiguity. So there is a changing line and it is number four. It's in the, the heavenly uh, trigram here okay it's in the heavenly portion so maybe more closely related to our ideals it says i quote thighs without flesh moving awkwardly now lead a sheep on a rope and your regrets vanish hear words but not trusted okay so a little bit uh you know (laughs) we're trying to decipher that that kind of um Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the coded language of the I Ching. So with thighs without flesh, this means that we may be, you know, working in a direction that is exhausting us. Like we're working ourselves to the bone um, and we're now it's it's difficult to continue on with this resolution that we've made. We've made a decision and we're like, we're going to stubbornly pursue this path, but we may be working ourselves into um, a, a position where we can't sustain it for the long term. and Instead of allowing ourselves to be led like a sheep on a rope, we're continuing to go our own way. And even if we're receiving advice, we're not trusting the words that we are receiving. Um, Another interpretation is talking about letting your actions speak rather than your words, and that will create uh, more ease in your life. So instead of just saying you're going to do something, you know, what are you, you know, take some action on it. But allow yourself to be led. This is the key. We don't, we don't want to ignore, um, conformities sometimes. Okay. Like this is something I've had to learn having a nodal access on Leo and Aquarius and trying to balance out those two, uh, those two parts of the dragon. Um, I have a, a, usually a, a, um, an instinct to do my own thing and to not conform. And I've had to learn that sometimes it's not always uh, the worst thing to try to compromise with your community. And it's a balance though. There are times where that's important and there are times where that can be really harmful. So you have to really trust your instincts. You have to trust your gut. Um, There will be times where you have to make some adjustments but maybe not compromise the integrity of your vision. It's kind of like learning the rules of the game. Uh, you may have a vision, you may have a sense of integrity, but the, the rules of the game are set up that you have to sort of play on a certain type of term. Okay, Like a bound ruler, right? Uh, we have to know what the rules are the, of the game are if we are going to master uh, that particular situation. So there might be something in your life where you're, you're rejecting, uh, playing along at all, but that might not be you know, the best thing at this point. Um, it, there may be some adjustments that need to be made, and there may be some advice that you could, you could accept, right? Some other things that they talk about, resolutely pushing forward despite obstacles. It says to submit and be led, okay? So a decision and being resolute doesn't always make your life easier, just because we say we stubbornly say I'm not going to do this, doesn't mean that you've automatically solved your problem. It could could mean that you're trying to swim upstream when, if you let go of the oars of your of your life and let the current uh, guide you, that can that can be very liberating as well. So this talks about this changing line talks about meeting the present reality with acceptance rather than fighting it. So really, that 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 key term is accepting where we are right now and be able to work with circumstance rather than fight against it. So this is changing to the hexagram five, which is called waiting patiently. So this is a time period, it's, it's winter in the Northern hemisphere. This is a time where we're going internal. This is Mercury retrograde as the cycle pomp where he is also going down into the underworld and trying to unearth uh, buried treasure, forgotten wisdom. So it's okay to take your time. You don't have to necessarily be anywhere right now. Uh, this is where we are consolidating our energy for a future flowering. That's what winter is all about, hibernation and rest. It doesn't mean we don't do anything. It doesn't mean we just sit and do nothing. So it says some questions that came up. How can you patiently wait and with commitment, okay? With faith, when you wait, how can you best make yourself ready? So this is like a farmer that's waiting for the weather to change. It may not be the best time to plant the crops right now, but we're going to do some of the little things that will prepare us when opportunity does strike and when the weather is correct. So this is like, you know, this is compared to dancing for rain, having faith, relaxing and enjoying yourself so that you are prepared when the work comes again. We all need balance in our life and we all need to have periods of rest and periods of time where we're taking action. And if we're doing one at the expense of the other, uh, when we're out of whack, that can lead to some excesses in our life that make us unhappy. So this is, again, about taking the middle path. So being prepared, uh, you know, some of the ancient wisdom talks about fortune favors the prepared. So when you are faced with an opportunity, you're going to be able to, to grab that opportunity and utilize it if you've done the work to prepare yourself. Again, this is the concept of delayed gratification, where you may not see the results of your work right away. But if you are ready, if you are doing the behind the scenes work right now, if you're preparing yourself mentally, maybe that's even just through rest, through restoring and recharging your battery, that will allow you to have enough strength and enough energy to move forward when the time is right to snap into action. Because if you've just continued to exhaust yourself through this winter season, it'll be very difficult for you to keep up when like, that energy of spring comes and and you are needing to really, quote unquote, spring into action to create something new. So uh, again, this is a good time for meditation. It's a good time for study. It's a good time for reviewing the systems in your life and seeing what works and what doesn't. And then discarding the things that don't work And then subsequently, by discarding what isn't working, you are committing to what will work, right? You know, and that's where the faith part comes in. It may be difficult to discard things that, you know, in a way that we've always done something, but we have to embrace the unknown and we have to embrace that the work that we're doing will bring springtime into our life again and a future flowering and a future fertility. And all you have to do to tap into this energy is to look outside. And now you see the face of death. You see the trees, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, that are leafless. But nature returns. There, there is, if you have faith that those trees will have leaves again, if you have faith that the sun will get warmer, that snow will melt, and there will be life again on the earth... As anybody who is a gardener or anybody who is in tune with the seasons understands, that's the type of energy that you tap into to be able to get through these winters of our lives is faith that spring will come. And not just only anticipating spring, but embracing the winter and saying it's okay to be in this moment of rest. This is just as necessary a part of my experience as the growth, as the reward, as the harvest period, okay? And that's when we become sages and that's when we become masters, when we are fully present at every single stage and every single moment. And it's, it's a difficult thing to do. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. It takes a lot of character, inner fortitude, and it takes a lot of practice. And we aren't always going to be good at it right away. And we may fall down and we may fall prey to uh, fear. We may fall prey to anxiety. But again, that's an opportunity to recommit to the center and recommit to our spiritual practices that teach us that we are you know, eternal and that, that these cycles are going to keep keep on spinning. Okay? I hope that is helpful for all of you today, and I hope that you are hanging in there and that you are uh, able to cultivate your divine patience and wait gracefully in joy. So that's what I've got for you today. Uh, I hope that you're doing well out there and that you're all hanging in there and and having a good rest, a good winter's rest, a good hibernation, a good restorative type of period of time. Uh, Be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. Uh, If you are enjoying the work that I do, please hit that subscribe button, hit the like button. Tell me about your winter. Tell me about your rest period. How are you cultivating patience in your life? And what are you hopeful for? What does this moment in time mean for you? What kind of commitments are you making that that might bear long-term fruit? Uh, what types of things are you breaking away from that could bring liberation? I always like hearing from you in the comments. That's a great way to uh, you know, interact with, with each other and to kind of uh, understand where one another is coming from. Um, if you would like to make a material donation to the work that I do, I have a Venmo and a PayPal Me link. Uh, that is always appreciated as well. Uh, you can reach out for a reading if you're trying to figure out what type of treasure you want to unearth always like doing readings with people during Mercury retrograde because it really helps us to dig into the details of our life and review some of the things that have been happening in the past and prepare us for a new start moving forward. So that's what I've got for you today. Uh, Again, I hope that you're all doing well, uh, and I will see you the next time. Peace.